in the Lord. I don't know how it's going to be, but I believe I feel as good as I did last night. <laughs> the blessings of the Lord are so real. And he's a very present help in time of trouble. He said that he would hide us in his provision. And in the cleft of the rock, he would hide us. The storms of life may come, but we've got a God that gives us a sure and a safe dwelling place. Isn't it wonderful to have the presence of the Lord in our hearts? I'm thankful for such a beautiful congregation here tonight. Many years have passed away since I began to pray. And when I came to an altar of prayer in a little house meeting and knelt at a cane-bottomed chair and poured out my heart to the Lord when I was a little under 12 years old. I never knew I would stand before a congregation like this, but I gave my all to Jesus. And I said, I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll do what you want me to do, and say what you want me to say. And I'm just here tonight to do what Jesus wants me to do. And I want you to pray for me as we read God's Word, that the Spirit of the Lord would take this Word and plant it. Planted in somebody's heart. A long time ago, the prophet Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We were in a Sunday school class many years ago. We undertook to write down all of the names that Jesus was called by. And we found that there was over 250 names named in the Word of God that he was called by. Isaiah gave him some of them here, but he lived up to the meaning of every name that was given to him. You could just take this first word, this first word that he was called by, wonderful. He was wonderful in his birth. No man had ever been born like Jesus was born into the world. He only had one earthly parent, but he had a heavenly father. And that birth that took place, that miraculous, that wonderful, that unusual, that unique, that birth that there's never been one like it, it united heaven and earth together. He was wonderful in his birth. He was wonderful when he was just a child. When his parents carried him up to Jerusalem and they started to go back home, he had to be about his father's business. And he was found there in the temple talking to the lawyers and doctors. And they marveled that he had such wisdom. But he brought it down from God out of heaven. He was wonderful in the way he preached his gospel. He preached to the rich and he preached to the poor. He preached to people of high degree and he preached to people of low degree. He preached to people that were sick and afflicted. He had compassion and love for fallen man. He preached to people and took note of people that were deep in sin and far away from God. He had a wonder he was wonderful. He was wonderful in the way that he preached. He was wonderful in the gospel that he preached. The truths that he told are just wonderful. They're marvelous. The brother preached the truth to us last night right out of the Word of God. And the truth will stand. And the truth will make you free. Jesus was wonderful in his trial. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When they spat upon him and when they mocked him, he didn't show any ill will. He was wonderful 
in his crucifixion. Yeah. He spoke never a murmur. Yeah. And he hung there on the cross, uh, bleeding out the life's blood to wash away my sins and to wash away your sins. Yeah. And he was wonderful in his resurrection. They put him in the grave, but the grave, it could not hold him, yeah. for he was the Son of God. Yeah. And he was wonderful in his second coming. Yeah. The prophet sent the promise of that the Spirit will descend and from your inner being a river would ascend. Oh, isn't he wonderful in the second coming? Oh, what a wonderful Jesus he is. Pilate said, I find no fault in the man. He's a faultless Christ. I've read it and you've read it and it's a matter of record. It's written here in the Gospels all the things that Jesus said and you can't find any fault in it. Whenever he came preaching, he preached a gospel that would lift people up out of sin. He preached a gospel and set a standard that would bring you up above the sin level of the world. Not only did he come reaffirming the commandments that thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor and thou shalt not commit adultery. Those things had been outlined a long time ago, yeah. but Jesus came even with a positive program. Yeah. And he said, blessed are you. Yeah. Blessed are the pure in heart, yeah. for they shall see God. Yeah. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are ye when men shall persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for yeah, my sake. Rejoice, he yeah. said, and be yeah. exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Not only did Jesus just give us a lot of things not to do, he gave us a lot of things to do. He gave us a great work to, to do. And I want to read a little bit of the words of Jesus tonight, and I earnestly covet your prayers as we read the word of the God. The message has gone out so clearly. So many times uh, we pray that the message might be received. That the message that's in the Word of God might go direct to the hearts of someone and do them some good. Not many years after our forefathers built this campground here and started the camp meeting in about 1939 and just about two years later, the war clouds had gathered over Europe. And there was a big war going on in Europe and people were being slain and killed by the thousands. And then Japan entered that war and went into Manchuria and into Russia. And war was just engulfing the whole world. The Japanese ambassador was calling upon the White House in Washington. Military intelligence had been gathering information. It looked like that we, our nation, was coming very near to war. And finally, it, it came clear that Japan was fixing to invade a part of the United States. Yes. And they sent out a message from Washington in a coded cable on that weekend of December the 7th, 1941. And it went by cable out to San Francisco. And it was received by a messenger there. And he put it into a pigeonhole and went about doing some other things. I don't know what he was doing, but for three or four hours, that very important message uh, sit there in San Francisco 
It wasn't relayed out there to Pearl Harbor where the message needed to go. And they were unprepared out there. They hadn't heard that the attack was imminent. And while somebody was delaying, while somebody was waiting, while somebody was busy with something else, the attack came and many thousands were killed on that day. The message is in the Word of God. It's been relayed into here. I hope that each one of you will do something with the message that you receive. Don't put it in a pigeonhole. Don't let it wait. Take this message to a fallen race. Let them know that the enemy of their soul is attacking, that he is ready to take your life and to destroy it. Yes, he is. Surely there's a message in the fifth chapter of the book of St. Luke. And it came to pass as the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake Genesaret. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, Simon Peter, we know him by Simon Peter, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Yes. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, and here's the message, launch out into the deep. Yes. Launch out into the deep. Jesus came walking along the shore that day and he saw Simon washing his nets. If you read about this in St. Mark and in St. Matthew, you'll find the same account. And there it says they were mending their nets. So washing and mending their nets, that's an important thing. But you've got to do something more than wash your nets if you're going to catch fish. You've got to do something more than mend your nets if you're going to catch fish. One of the things you've got to do is launch out into the deep. You've got to get out there where the fish are in order to catch fish. Simon Peter said, Master, we've toiled all night. We've tried this and we've tried that. We've toiled all night. But nevertheless, nevertheless, at thy word. Brothers and sisters, friends and loved ones, nevertheless, let's try some more. Let's try again. Let's don't stop. Let's launch out into the deep. Cut loose the shorelines. You might make all kind of excuses. Peter might have said, Lord, it's daytime right now. And you know that fish catch better at night uh, when they can't see the nets. Uh, but Jesus said, launch out into the deep. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any difference where the time seems right, right or not. Uh, whenever the master speaks, launch yeah. out into the deep. Yeah. Peter might have said, well, Lord, uh, these nets are made to catch fish up near the shore. If we get out there in the deep, uh, those fish can all just get away from those nets. Uh, but Jesus said, launch out into the deep. And Peter said, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the nets. And when they had thus done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net break. Whenever they obeyed the master, whenever they moved at the voice of the master, the result was right there. Oh, thank the Lord for the voice of the master. I just feel like that it's time for every one of you 
that have heard the gospel message. You know the plan of salvation. Young people, whatever your age is, it's time to launch out into the deep. It's time to let down the nets. It's time to bring in the harvest. We've heard of the preaching of Brother Joe Lynch. He launched out. We've heard of St. Collins and Brother Marshall Willard and Brother... Ed Miller and Brother John Miller, and I love their bones. I love their memory. Those people launched out for God, and God blessed their work. But brothers and sisters, uh, I want us to realize that this is 1974, and it's time for you. It's time for you to launch out. It's time for us to launch out. It's time for us to get busy in the work of the Lord. David was up there tending to his father's sheep. And that was a nice little job that David had. But he heard about his brothers over there on the battlefield. And that there was an enemy to Israel. There was a a giant that was defying the armies of Israel. And he went down there to see this thing and to carry food and to carry aid to his brothers. And when his brothers saw little David coming... They said, which comest thou? What did you do with them sheep uh, that you were supposed to be tending to? But if you'll read it carefully, you'll find out that David didn't act irresponsibly. He left somebody in care of the sheep. He put somebody in care of his sheep. uh, And he went down there to see about this man that was defying the armies of Israel. And when he walked out there and he heard the boasting of that great enemy, And that giant, uh, there was something in his heart uh, that he wanted to stand up for Israel and he wanted to stand up for his God. And y'all are all familiar with the story of how he tried the armor of Saul and he wasn't used to that. You can't catch fish with something you're not used to. But what we just need to do is take the same old word of God, the same old net, the same old gospel story, the same love that the brother testified that the sister showed to him when he was a 15-year-old boy, and you won't find anything better to catch men with than that same thing that's been catching them all these years. Anyway, David went out there with a sling and five smooth stones, and he came out in the name of the Lord, and the Lord directed one stone. All it took at the hand and direction of God was one stone, and the giant fell flat. He fell flat. Oh, what a great victory God wrought in that day and time. And David had many more experiences after that, after he went out there and taken that sword of Goliath and cut off his head, and that sword was kept as a memorial. And we have a lot of memorials too, don't we? We have a lot of things that are meaningful to us. And then there came a time in David's life when he was fleeing, and he was in trouble, and he needed help, and he went there to where a prophet was, and he asked him, what have you got here? And he said, I've got a little bit of shoe bread, and i got Goliath's sword. And David said, give me that sword. There's no sword like that one. That sword that he'd won a great victory with before had great meaning to him. Let us hold on to the things that have meaning to us. Let us hold fast to God's unchanging hand. And let us go forth with renewed faith and renewed courage, knowing that God is going to give us the victory. If we will be the people, he will be the God. Now also Jesus spoke in a parable about a sower. 
that went forth to sow. Right. And he sowed seed, and some fell by the wayside, yes. and some fell in stony places, yes. and some fell in thorny ground, yes. and some fell in good ground. Yes. And the disciples asked Jesus what was the meaning of this parable. And Jesus said, the seed is the word of God. Yes. The seed is the word of God, yes. and he sowed it everywhere. Yes. He just spread it everywhere. And the, that that fell by the wayside, yeah. where there was not any earth, uh, and the fowls of the air came and got it, uh, that was the devil yeah, well. that comes and steals the Word of God. Right. Look out for the fowls of the air, dear right. people. Yeah. When the Word of God is preached uh, and the gospel is lifted up, uh, don't let the enemy of your soul steal away no. the good Word of God. Right. We need the seed. The life is in the seed. And the life is in the Word of God. Right. And if you want life, you've got to get it out of the Word of God. Right. And he that hath the Son, the brother preached last night, hath That's life. Right. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not right. life. And that which fell in stony ground yes. was that that came up very quickly. Yeah. But because it had not much earth, when the sun came up, it yeah. withered away. And how quickly it died. Yeah. We see so many people make a start. But then when the trials come along, yeah. when the heat of the day comes along, they wither away yeah. because it doesn't have much earth. Right. But let me tell you, you can get planted by the river of life. Yeah. Where it beareth, uh, over there in the Psalms, it said, its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Oh, let me tell you. There is a river. There is a river that flows from the throne of God. And it will satisfy you. It will satisfy you in drought. It will satisfy you in famine. It will strengthen you in the middle of the day. And it will feed you all through life. And then there was that third type of ground. That thorny ground. The ground wasn't anything wrong with it. The seed came up with it, in it. But with it, there was thorns. And Jesus explained to those disciples what those thorns were. You could, it just seems like to me that he might have been explaining current events. It seems like he might have been explaining something to people in 1974. He said the thorns are the cares of this life, cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches and pleasures of the world. And those things choke the life out of the good seed. And it will do it today. Let's get rid of the cares of this life. Let's get rid of the deceitfulness of riches. Set not your heart upon it. And let's get rid of the pleasures of the world. Let's get rid of those things that choke out the word, good word of God. And let's launch out into the deep. That's what it means to launch out into the deep. Is to put aside the things of this world and the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and set your heart and your mind in the word of God and then your net will be filled with fishes. And then that fourth ground, that good ground, that's over here in the eighth chapter of Romans, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, all it takes is a heart that wants to serve the Lord. You might say, I've tried before. I don't have much willpower. 
I don't have an inclination and a disposition to serve the Lord. It just seems like I was bent to go another way. But let me tell you, if you want to serve the Lord, you can serve Him. Which in an honest and a good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Now that's what we're having to do. Run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, that wonderful Savior, that faultless Savior, looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. You know, I love to see a beautiful garden. A number of years ago, we went over to Birmingham. I don't know whether it's still there or not. But out there on First Avenue, out near East Lake, uh, there was a beautiful garden that somebody spent a lot of time keeping. And you didn't find weeds in that garden. It was laid out beautifully. And the vegetables were growing in abundance. Uh, There was lots of fruit there. And then you can go out here and look at a wild plot of ground where there's been no care. There's been no attention given to it. Everything is just growing up wild, and you won't find much fruit there. It's necessary that we give attention to our salvation. It's necessary that we give attention to the thoughts of our heart and the thoughts of our mind. If we just let it grow wild, we'll just have wild weeds in our life. But if we will pluck out and destroy and get rid of that which is wild and get rid of that which is evil and plant the good Word of God in the place and cultivate it and keep it and live of it and eat it and live by it, then that garden will grow and it will be beautiful. Oh, in the life that's been in the service of the Lord, a beautiful life. Let me sing you a song of a sanctified life, a life set apart from all sin, a beautiful life, free from all kinds of strife, for Jesus is dwelling within. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want Jesus in their heart. I wouldn't know why anybody wouldn't want to serve him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. The prophet a long time ago said he went by the field of the slope, and he saw the the, the, the fence broken down yeah. and it all grown over with vines and there was thorns and yeah. thistles in that field. All it takes is neglect yeah. and slumber and your spiritual life will not grow and will not flourish. But let's don't talk about negative things. Let's talk about Jesus. Yeah. That if you'll put your all into the service of the Lord, yeah. if you will launch out yeah. upon His promises, right. if you'll launch out into the deep, yeah. if you'll give your life to Him, then you shall go out with joy. joy. Then you'll be led forth, forth yeah. with peace. Then you can bear fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Jesus said, No man, having forsook father or mother or houses or lands or anything, but what he will receive a hundredfold more here in this life and in the life to come, life everlasting. Aren't the promises of Jesus wonderful? Isn't there someone here tonight that would like to get into the kingdom of God. This is a wonderful place. Whenever Jacob uh, was traveling and he came upon a place where he needed a little rest and he went over there and he set up a stone uh, and he slept there on that stone that night. And while he was sleeping, he had a vision and he saw angels ascending and descending into heaven. And he said, God was in this place uh, and I knew it not. Uh, Let me tell you, God is in this place, people. 
We felt his spirit. We felt his presence. He's convicted hearts, and he's calling tonight. He's knocking at hearts. I know that there are many here in this congregation tonight that if you just thought about it, and whenever you think seriously about it, you want to serve the Lord. You would like to serve the Lord, and tonight is the time. Today is the day of salvation, and now is the accepted time. We want to close this service with prayer here tonight. God is on the given hand. He's poured out His Spirit in this place here today, and He can do it again, and He will do it again. We were over there this morning in Bible school talking to little boys and girls, and I began to reflect back on the, time, the length of time that we've been coming to camp meeting. Yeah. And many of those boys and girls that we were talking to this morning, their mothers and fathers wasn't even born yeah. when this camp meeting started. Yeah. That's how fast time is moving on. Yeah. That's how swiftly we're moving into eternity. Yeah. That's how quickly we're going to get there. Yeah. And it's important that we keep on preaching the word to our children. It's important that we keep on lifting up uh, this wonderful and faultless Christ. Uh, and we need everybody in the vineyard yeah, of the Lord. The laborer, the man that was hiring laborers, yeah. he went to the marketplace uh, at the 11th hour. Yeah. And he said, why stand you here all the day long idle? He said, go into my vineyard and work. And whatsoever is right, I will give you. The Lord is still calling for workers in the vineyard. You might have been out all your life. It may be the 11th hour with you. Oh, if it's the 11th hour, you need to come now. You need to come now if it's the 11th hour. But if you're young and you're only 12 years old, you need to come too. Tonight is the time to come. There's no age limit. But today is the day of salvation. And now is the accepted time. We want to sing a song of invitation. We'd like for the congregation to rise. We'd like for anyone that has felt like you need the Lord to find your way down to the altar tonight. Let us all stand while we sing this song of invitation.